For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. In a bold new move, many soft plastic baits are starting to incorporate methamphetamine amongst their crayfish, shrimp, and smelt scents. Berkeley Powerbait says, quote, the fish can't quit it. The only downside is retailers are having to encase powerbait displays in bulletproof glass and pay armed guards to watch their paddle and twister tail grubs. Only a real live grown-up can call to order it for you. That's a joke, but we all know obsessive anglers that would laugh publicly at the notion but secretly would not be beyond buying illegal, highly addictive substances such as methamphetamine if it gave them an advantage in the next tourney or even just bragging rights at the family campout. This joke has already been played out in the animated series King of the Hill, where old Hank, through some miscommunication, buys crack as a secret bass bait, and, well, it works. Well, now that is the dangdest thing. This is the same fish I just threw back. Anyway, Pavel Horky and team recently published the paper Methamphetamine Elicits Addiction in Wild Fish in the aptly named Journal of Experimental Biology. Pavel and team aren't the breaking bad of the fisheries biology world, they just had a question. Do contaminants from illicit drugs, which are now routinely observed in water, alter fish behavior? If you do not know, human wastewater, anything that goes down the drain, carries with it all the stuff we don't fully digest, the stuff we dump into the toilet or sink, and of course, the occasional goldfish. Wastewater treatment facilities are not designed to filter drugs from the water. So these compounds that could be stimulants, antidepressants, even hormones, can make it into rivers, lakes, and streams. The occasional unused bottle of pills that make it into the toilet at a rural farmhouse 
is not what we are talking about. We are talking about major city centers, lots of pills, lots of toilets, lots of water. By placing brown trout in an aquarium tank that have been laced with the levels of methamphetamine similar to those found in rivers near wastewater outflow from cities, Horky and team, well, they hooked some fish on some meth. Then, to prove that the brown trout were really hooked on meth, they transferred them every 10 days to a holding tank that contained fresh water. But that tank had access to meth-laced water. The brown trout chose to swim out of the clean water and into the meth water, which scientists believe showed a dependence on the drug, proving that fish in the wild could, in theory, become chemically dependent. Pharmaceutical companies, in response, are busy trying to see how they can get fish to purchase the drugs or swim elsewhere. This week... We've got shark attacks, stealth, getting ready, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. For those of you who have been keeping up, I hit the high desert of Utah last week for a friend's wedding with a wild turkey bone-in breast and a whole goose that I had smoked on the camp chef. 105 degrees for a lot of that journey, which is too hot for me, but not too hot to travel with meat. Here are my quick tips for carne carriers, meat merchants, and protein providers. For 12-hour travel, you need meat to be at a standard refrigerator temp all the way through. You cannot bring ice on airplanes these days, and dry ice can be a pain to find. Soft coolers are ideal. I've had a bunch of Yeti products for a decade at this point. Is a soft cooler necessary? No. Stack your meat on top of itself so all of your cold products are touching. Wrap that bundle of protein and all of your spare clothes, and you'll be fine. Where you will be missing that soft cooler is if your meat bundle leaks into your once nice set of wedding or funeral clothes or what have you. For longer travel, get that meat frozen. It is ideal to keep the meat in larger pieces, roasts, not steaks. Your hard work won't thaw as quickly. If you're bringing a hard or soft cooler, it will give you peace of mind to pre-cool the cooler prior to travel. Meaning, let the warm cooler melt the ice you put in it before it gets a chance to melt your meat. Dump the ice and water out, replace with your frozen things before you head for the airport. Provided I know there is a way to wash clothes or I'm super confident in my timeline and meat packing ability, I put my extra clothes in the cooler to provide more insulation. If not clothes, I travel often with microfiber towels that dry super quickly, even in humid or rainy places like Alaska or a crappy Florida hotel room. Just by pre-cooling meat to refrigerator temp, pre-cooling my coolers, filling all available space in the cooler, I have had meat bundles lost by airplanes in extreme summer heat for days. Full 72 hours with no meat loss. Frozen fish fillets packed tightly on top of each other, wrapped in clothes, sometimes secured with nonstick tape, stay cold for 24 hours. Glass bottles stuffed in a sock and into a knee boot, wrapped up in a sweater, will not break. If you can dream it, you can do it. We have the meats. If you have the ability, it is hard to beat a hard cooler when on the ground. You just can't sit around the campfire on a soft cooler very well. One last note in regards to a hard cooler, if you want to travel with a hard cooler. It is great to run duct tape around where the lid meets the body of the cooler. However, TSA will cut or tear this off, so I like to use a cam strap and secure the lid with that. 
You can get a bit more pressure, tightening that seal, preventing any air exchange, and most of the time, TSA gets the cooler and the strap back to you. The other thing I want to talk about this week is uh, we at Meat Eater Inc., combined with Sims, FHF Gear, and Trout Unlimited, took the old town canoes down a stretch of water here in the greater Los Angeles area and loaded canoes full of junk, river trash, during our annual river cleanup. I would rather be fishing, but floating is floating. And if you give me the choice of hacking on the computer and picking up trash on a river, I'll be a trash man any day. No, we didn't find anything really good. Mid-grade fishing net, still usable. Condom, still in the wrapper, not usable. If nobody wants that, I'll take it. Couple of quick updates. Goldfish are popping up in public waters from Missouri to Canada. Quit dumping your pets into public water. Don't do it. If you're tired of dealing with them, throw them out. Give them to your neighbor's cat. If you have something interesting, you can always contact an aquarium and see if they would be willing to take the pet in. Do a little homework. Don't dump them. Next up, the Grizz episode from last week, episode 115. Remember the bear that attacked and killed a 65-year-old cyclist in Ovando, Montana? Well, that bear is officially dead. The bear matching the physical description was shot as it came into another chicken coop in the area. DNA samples were taken and matched against the Grizz DNA at the previous scene. If you were asking, why go through with this DNA analysis? It's simple. Montana Fish and Game wants to know if the bear that attacked and killed a woman last week in a predatory manner meaning the bear was not surprised or keeping its cubs safe or guarding a food cache, you know, out in the wilderness somewhere. This bear attacked a woman, presumably to eat her. The point of the DNA analysis is to know if that bear is really dead. And the results are in. It is. Carry your bear spray. Be on your A game in the bear woods this season, more so than some seasons past. Bears that are stressed for food like in drought years, are unpredictable bears. Moving on to the shark desk. Off the coast of Jordan in the Red Sea last week, a shark bit a 37-year-old man who was parasailing over the surface of the water at the time. That's right. The shark leapt up and closed its jaws around the ankle of a man who had floated down toward the water while riding an enormous parachute. If you're a shark-weak adrenaline junkie, this was your Super Bowl. Although the unidentified man lost part of his foot, he was listed in stable condition. That's not a pun, you sickos. After being transported to a hospital in Jordan. Over in Australia, a great white shark bit a chunk out of a surfer, Joe Hoffman, near Crescent Head Beach in New South Wales. Luckily for Hoffman, trained medical personnel happened to be relaxing on that very same beach and were able to apply a tourniquet made of a surfboard tether in time to save his arm. Hoffman's surfboard was not as fortunate. The shark also took a chunk out of that, the size of a large watermelon. One heck of a souvenir. With that on your wall, in combination with the scar, let's just say you no longer have to consider getting a cool tattoo to help you with the opposite sex, Joe. Spear fishermen in Australia were also attacked by a great white last week, one of the underwater anglers came home with no fish and an incredible set of scars requiring over 100 stitches. You can read more about this one at TheMeatEater.com by Katie Hill. Here's a teaser for you. I only had two to three meters of space to react. 
He rocketed up with the biggest jaws I've ever seen in my life. So many teeth. For two to three seconds, everything was completely silent, and then he just whacked me. He came straight up underneath me and grabbed my leg, and that's when all of my senses came alive. That, friends, is called fight or flight. This guy chose to fight. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! In fairness, his dive partner did too, both poking the great white with their spear tips. Side note on this one. They were hunting bald chin groper, which is a kissing cousin to the California sheephead, a wrasse. And I don't care how much time you as a person spend in the water, everything you encounter that swims for a living will make you look slow and awkward. The fourth shark attack in the news just hit the papers, but the incident itself took place about 3,000 years ago. Researchers at Oxford University studying human remains from the Sakomo Shell Mound site in Japan came across one skeleton identified as number 24 that was in especially rough shape. The bones showed no fewer than 790 deep serrated gouges. One hand had been sheared off, one leg was missing, and the other leg had been buried on top of the body with the foot positioned toward the head. Wounds were spread across number 24's arms, legs, chest, and torso, and the pattern didn't match any more commonly recognized human or animal-inflicted traumas. By process of elimination, the team concluded that this person must have been the victim of a shark attack. They also conducted carbon dating on the bones and discovered that this particular shark attack happened 3,000 years ago. The Oxford researchers went on to construct a 3D rendering of number 24's body at the time of the attack, showing how major blood vessels would have been severed almost immediately. And because the body had been buried instead of, you know, ending up as fish food, they further concluded that number 24 must have been with other people who managed to recover his body, possibly other fishermen. This is the earliest known evidence of a shark attack, meaning that prior to this, Humans and sharks existed peacefully. Or whomever was attacked prior to 3,000 years ago didn't have friends who thought them worth burying. I'll let you decide. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. 
I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Moving on to the quiet flyer desk. Scientists at the University of Bristol blew my socks off this week with a study on moths. Seriously, moths. They're incredibly techy. Acoustic camouflage is what they use to evade the bats that prey on them. You likely already know that bats navigate in the dark by using a form of sonar. They send out supersonic clicking sounds, then construct a mental map of the structures around them by hearing exactly how those sounds bounce back. This allows bats to zero in on the flying insects they hunt. This doesn't always lead to the desired results, however. You anglers out there who have kept on casting into dusk have likely had a bat echolocate the fly on the end of your line and attack it. It's not just fish that get fooled by elk hercatus. Anyway, moths have evolved all kinds of ways to survive their echolocating predators. Some moths hear where the clicking is coming from and dodge bats in midair. Some emit their own clicks to scramble the bat sonar, and some have long tails extending off the end of their wings that act as a kind of decoy. The bats will locate and attack these wing tails instead of the moth's body, and the moth lives to flap another day. But the University of Bristol team looked at two species without any of these attributes and discovered a previously unknown strategy. Moths that absorb the bat sonar and therefore disappear, like a tree falls in the woods sort of thing, you know what I'm talking about. The scientists studied the surface of these moth wings and discovered an amazingly complex system of sound-absorbing scales. These scales are only one micron wide, about a third the width of a strand of a spider's web. The bat chirp sound waves fit between the scales and get trapped, they don't bounce back. If they were to hit a more reflective, flat, wide surface, they would bounce back. Electron microscope images of these moth scales alongside butterfly wings are especially revealing. Butterflies flit around during the day and don't have to contend with bats. The scales on their wings are as regular and flat as dinner plates, whereas the moth scales look like shingles made of fur. The scientists shot simulated bat clicks at the moth wings and measured a 69% absorption of ultrasonic energy. 
So like imagine if you were looking at a deer at a hundred yards and all of a sudden more than two thirds of the light hitting that deer stopped coming into your eyes. It would be very, very hard to put your crosshairs in the appropriate place. You wouldn't effectively see two thirds of that animal. What I find amazing is that all this complex sound muffling tech on these moth wings doesn't affect the ability of the wings to create lift despite the added surface area or drag created by the scales. Makes me think of the fact that the United States military has just announced the need for an updated stealth fighter. Also makes me think of the fact that, what is the deal with butterflies that don't have to contend with bats? They're super pretty, but really nowhere cool as moths. Final note on this one. While reading the fine print on this study, I saw that the scientists procured their moth specimens not from some highly specialized scientific lab supplier, but instead from a website called thebugmaniac.com, which leads to an Etsy page that is amazing. However, I have to say, if you have read the book The Feather Thief, well, looking at this website certainly makes you wonder if some of these specimens may be taken at the peril of the species. Bug collecting can be harmful. Please check with suppliers before you buy as to the ethics of procurement and check the International Union of the Conservation of Nature's list. Just throw a quick Wikipedia search on it. Anything that could give you a potential red flag because I look at that website and I'm like, man, I want a big beetle. But check it out first. Moving on to the extended family desk. A recently rediscovered hominid skull from China is scrambling what we know about human evolution. The skull was first pulled out of the ground in 1933 by a worker on a bridge-building crew near the northeastern Chinese city of Harbin. That worker kept the skull hidden in an abandoned well for almost 80 years until he told his grandchildren about it on his deathbed. They recovered the skull and passed it to a team of scientists at Hebei Geo University who dated it to at least 146,000 years ago. You have to wonder if his grandchildren were happy with this deathbed secret. No cash, Grandpa? 146,000-year-old skull? Eh, you tell me. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Up until now, anthropologists thought they had a pretty good idea of what hominid skulls from this period should look like. Heavy protruding brows and cheekbones, broad faces, smaller brain cases. But the Harbin skull has a previously unseen mix of older and newer features, including the jutting brow and wide face of older hominids, and the finer, flatter cheekbones of us modern humans. The skull also has simply enormous eye sockets and brain volume that is just as big and maybe bigger than the volume of our modern skulls. With big eyes and a big brain, two attributes we modern humans could find pretty darn helpful, you have to wonder why this branch of the family tree didn't take off and grow. Where does the Harbin skull fit into human evolution? Some scientists think that the skull belongs to the mysterious Denisovans, a human ancestor distinct from both Neanderthals and Homo sapiens that has so far left behind only a few bone fragments. Some scientists think this should be an entirely new homo species, a new branch on the human family tree that didn't lead to modern people, but rather existed alongside us. We'll know more when DNA from the skull is analyzed. 
but researchers are proceeding with caution here as removing tissue to use for the DNA test can damage the skull. You can be sure I'll tell you more about it once we know. This story had me thinking about that illustration that I saw in school, and I bet you did too, sometimes called The Ascent of Man. You know, this is the line of monkey to ape to Neanderthal to Cro-Magnon to modern human, where each step in the sequence gets a little more upright until what seems like the goal of the whole thing, the modern human, you and me, the end of the line. But this newly discovered Harbin skull, as well as Denisovan bones, and several other complex discoveries over the past 20 years, all show us that the linear story we grew up with doesn't make any sense. Instead of a straight line, the map of human evolution seems to look more like a paint spill running down a steep driveway, splitting here and there, running back together, petering out in strange places, and generally looking like a really interesting mess. Really, what is strangest about human evolution isn't all these different branches. After all, all species have various branching pathways. What's strange is that only one kind of hominid, Homo sapiens, are still around. Imagine if there were only one butterfly species left, or one species of ungulate. You wouldn't be thinking about an evolutionary straight line that culminated in that one kind of butterfly or deer. You'd be wondering, what happened to the other ones? That's all I've got for you this week. Remember, hunting season is right around the corner. You could probably update that old Pulsar or Upland Game Bird shears, or you may just want a brand spanking new battery-operated Pulsar that's clean and quiet to cut out your shooting lanes. If this sounds like you, go to steeldealers.com and find the friendly steel dealer near you. And last but not least, please write in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.